check. Hello, this is about where you got me right here. That's perfect. Is that going to work? Sibilance. 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 <laughs> yeah. You can use that for my, my lead in. Yeah. How you would take a quote. Exactly. It's just Jeff doing a sound check. Jeff doing sound check. Check. One, two. Check. Sibilance. <laughs> One, two. Hot what, mic. Hot mic. What is sibilance? Is that like the thing sound guys say? I don't know. <laughs> This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. Thanks for tuning in this week. Really fun interview this week. I got to sit down with Jeff Petticord, who is the vice president and marketing director over at First Security Bank. Um, Jeff is just such an awesome guy. If you've ever met him, he just exudes enthusiasm, zest for living. And his career path is super interesting. You know, he was sort of trying to find his way as a student here. He tells you the story about how he and his wife were like down to their last uh, package of ramen and trying to make go of it. He moved to Bend. He worked in the outdoor industry. He really wanted to do marketing, do creative work. And his path through the outdoor industry and then back to Missoula and so forth is just really interesting. And how he has pieced together a career is, um, is the stuff of inspiration. Jeff worked for a number of years over at Community Medical. And now he has been at uh, First Security for a couple of years now and is just doing amazing work. And I asked him, hey, what about working for a bank in marketing is interesting? And he has a great answer for that. So stay tuned. Uh, Jeff also is super engaged in what we're doing here at the College of Business at the University of Montana. He sits on our advisory board, our departmental advisory board, and, and what that means is he just has great uh, insights and advice for how we should be uh, doing things here at the college and informs our curriculum. But he's also so game to step in on a moment's notice, speak in class, engage with students, and uh, brings that passion to the relationship with the College of Business here, and it's really well appreciated. Uh, Jeff also, and we talk about this in the interview, he also has this little side gig he calls Brand Camp, which is basically a collection of uh, marketing superstars in the area that swoop in and help organizations in need. So that's a fun part of the conversation as well. Anyway, really admire Jeff's work, his passion, his support of this program. He's been a big influence on uh, how I approach this work and I uh, thank him for that. And anyway, I will turn it over to Jeff Petticourt. All right. So we're here today with Jeff Petticourt. Jeff, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Justin. So, Jeff, you are, um, gosh, I don't even know how to describe you. I mean, you're master of so many, all things brand in the Missoula community here, um, director of marketing, and is, is it a vice president title at uh, First Security Bank? Right, yeah. Yeah, and then before that, you were at Community Health for many years and prolific advisor to our programs here. And so, we, have, we, we just want to thank you for being a part of this College of Business community. Right on. Thanks, man. It's it's definitely a community. Yeah. It feels like one, and, and it's just amazing the great stuff that we're doing here. Yeah, and in your spare time, you're a rock and roll star for Charlie Beaton's band, <laughs> VTO, right? I don't know if I'd go to the lengths of star, but we, uh, yeah, we, we do all right, VTO. It's a great little project it, we've got. If you're a careful listener, you would know that it's Jeff strumming the guitar for our intro, right? Matchstick Man, that's you on the guitar, right? Yeah, that would be uh, Charlie and I on guitar, yeah. Very good. Okay. So, um, in all seriousness, uh, so one might say, how does a guy, I mean, we'll go through your, your bio a little bit, but like, how does a guy who is passionate about creative, I mean, when I met you, you just seemed so passionate about the enterprise of being creative and branding and telling brand stories, and now you're at a bank. Like, what's creative about being at a bank? How is that interesting? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of those things that even I was asking myself. I was at Community Medical Center for almost 10 years, Yeah. Um, and and which was a really great experience. Um, and they were pretty forward-thinking when they brought me in. Um, one of the early organizations that really kind of understood, hey, you know, how do we, how do we bring these efforts that we've been outsourcing 
um, how do we bring them in-house? And so previously they were hiring agencies to do a lot of their work or things like that? Right. A, a great agency, actually. But, you know, as they kind of started to say, everything was being outsourced. And how, uh -huh. how can we kind of wrangle it a little bit? Um, and that's kind of where I came in. And they brought me in. And I was able to put together a team, um, which I still utilize a lot today, and kind of build literally an in-house agency. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole concept was to deliver you know, literally industry-leading work that we could deliver at a wholesale price, you know. Internally. Internally. Yeah. Um, and so that was a great experience for me to, to really be able to, to develop that team and, and work to develop these campaigns. Um, at the time, it was an independent, nonprofit local hospital. Right. Um, and, you know, being a punk rock kid from the 80s, <laughs> just that really resonated with me was – you know, how can I kind of take this, this independent nonprofit DIY attitude yeah. and, and bring it into healthcare? So let's maybe like just press pause there in the sense that let's dig into this DIY punk rock attitude because it goes way back for you. Yeah, it to your, does. To your, you know, your college days, you studied anthropology and then went and worked in the outdoor industry for some really sort of formative startup brands. Let's, let's talk about maybe how you got into this craft of, sure. of doing more with less or doing something with nothing. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, I can even take it back further. Um, when I was 16, I started in a, in a band. Yeah. Um, and in central Washington is kind of where, where we were and. Um, I was the youngest in the band by far, and by the time I hit 17, you know, we were gone every weekend, packing up the van on a Thursday, wow. um, hitting the road, playing Friday night, Saturday night, traveling late into the day on Sunday, getting back late Sunday night, getting up, going to school on Monday sure. morning to do yeah. it all over again, and it was nuts. Um, but this was before, you know, social media, obviously. I mean, this is 80... 86, 85, 86. Uh -huh. So, you know, it was just about hustle. And it was about, you know, how can we grab attention? Because really what, what we had were telephone poles sure. and flyers. And a stapler. And a stapler. And um, so I don't know what happened there, but I kind of got put in charge of putting the posters together, putting the shows together, kind of handling and wrangling the money, um, just kind of like the creative director and the business manager or whatever for this band. And it just kind of stuck. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that? I mean, cause there's a couple qualities that would select for that, right? Like not only the, the creative spirit, but also the reliability being organized, being driven, being able to execute that on top of all the other stuff that the band is doing. I mean, is part of those qualities in yourself start to position yourself for, for those roles. Yeah. And it was just kind of, you know, I feel like, okay, I've, I've got a vision I know exactly. I, I can see this poster in my head. Yeah. I don't. Why? Why should I? I just really don't want to try to describe what I'm seeing in my head and have someone else try to do it. Sure, I'm sure. just going to do it. Okay. Um. And so, you know, I was just a young kid, just just starting out doing that kind of stuff. Um, and that really kind of drove that early influence of almost kind of project management in a sense, and then kind of being, you know, just creative direction or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that, yeah, that was really kind of that early start of where that laid the foundation for that type of thinking. Nice. And then came to UM for undergraduate. Yeah. Study anthropology. Yeah. Draw yeah. a line to that. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, um, my wife and I moved here in 92. Um, Teresa, she was my girlfriend at the time. But yeah, uh -huh. we were young. She'd never even lived out of her house before. I okay. mean, she just turned, I think, 19. And I specifically came to UM for the anthro program. I was um, I was in Yellowstone with a friend of mine, and it just kind of hit me. Like, I'd been going to community college and just trying to find my way, and the band was touring a ton, and I was just kind of like, what am I doing? This is, this is kind of wonky. Yeah. And, um, and I went back home, and I was taking an anthro course at a community college, and the professor there just said, hey, man, you, you should definitely look at University of Montana. Hmm. And he had came here, and okay. this is where he had his um, got his master's degree. And I'll never forget, he just said to me, 
you'll love it. There's like-minded people there. Mm. And that's all he said. That's all he had to say. I was, I was sold and applied to school here and was accepted. And we came out in May just to look at it. Teresa and I, yeah. And then next thing I know, we were here in uh, the summer of '92. Yeah, that's been a sort of a, a regular theme on this podcast. People come to Missoula, and it has a tendency to stick. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was a, it was a great time to be in Missoula. You know, I mean, that mm-hmm. was back when you'd go go to the bars, and the dog people's dogs were running all <laughs> over the bars, and you know, and. Um, yeah, it was just it's and it's still a great time here. But it was it was just a really fun time for us to be young and just on our own and yeah, just kind of starting a new life. It was it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after that, you know, I know at some point you moved to Bend and started working with Roughware and a couple other startup organizations in the outdoor industry. You know, what was your attraction to that industry and that kind of? I mean, because that's an industry where. These startups have no resources. Right. I mean, they're just trying to sell product to their buddies at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that move to Bend was really precipitated out of um, a need. We were starving to death here. Okay. I, I uh, got a degree in anthropology um, with a minor in Native American studies. And, you know, that I always, when I speak in, in the marketing classes or whatever, I always say, you know, I my next move was to open up. The, this thing called the yellow pages back then and <laughs> go under a for anthropology. And I was like, what? Triple yeah. <laughs> a anthropology. Not yeah. there. I was like, wait a minute. There's no anthropology jobs. So I thought, well, I'm going to come back and get a history degree. So I came back and focused on us, uh, history and went through that program. And then we just starved. I mean, I tried everything here. I, I, you know, just that, the hustle, the Missoula hustle started, you know, I got a real estate license. I'm going to try that. Just trying to make it work. Yeah. Just make it work. And then I even ended up working for a radio group trying to sell, Mm. you know, media. And I actually, I, I love this story, but I was actually fired from that job because the general manager told me that I was literally the worst salesperson he had ever seen in his life. The worst. <laughs> He'd probably the, seen a few too. And I think, I think this gentleman had seen a few. And, um, so that really kind of, Teresa and I thought, you know, man, we're, we're kind of starving here and mm-hmm. I'm so underqualified. I'm just not qualified for anything. And I didn't even really know that I wanted to be involved in marketing or that that was my, my, my passion or, you know, what I was ultimately going to do. I just was like, I got to do, do something. Yeah. So we, um, we ended up thinking we wanted to move to Seattle and we packed up, we had actually bought a house here. I don't even know how we ended up doing that, but we did. And so we sold it and moved to Seattle Mm -hmm. Lasted three months. I had gotten this job working for this real estate developer um, just as kind of his assistant. And my days were spent riding around in the back of like this stretch BMW. It was the most bizarre experience I've literally ever had. And I, and I remember one day my wife, Teresa called me and she was just like, this is crazy. What are we, what are we doing here? And I was just like, thank you so much for saying that because I, you know, last three months I've been wondering myself. So we made a decision. We thought, you know, let's go to Bend. I, you know, I grew up skiing in Bend and, okay. you know, it's, it was just always a really great little town. And, um, you know, deep down in our hearts, we knew we, what we really wanted to do was come back to Missoula. Mm-hmm. But I, we felt like we've got to kind of show that I, I just didn't feel like we were ready to come back. Yeah, you got to come back with maybe a, a sort of a portfolio of skills and experiences to get the jobs you'd want to get. Yeah, exactly. So we took a chance. I mean, yeah. a total chance. We moved to Bend. Okay. Didn't have jobs, didn't have any money. Wow. You know, we were there for like a week and just to show how naive we were, we went to a bank and we were like, can we have some money for a house? <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know, do you have jobs? No. No. I'll come back when you have jobs and money. <laughs> and um, so, but you know, and that's where it all started, though. That really was where it started. And it was, I tell this story all the time in, in the marketing classes that it was really an act of serendipity how I landed at Roughware. We'd used the gear here in Missoula forever yep. with our dog. And 
And rough wear, for folks that don't know, is is outdoor gear for dogs on the go, and it's and it's designed and and built and um, marketed and everything. And born and bred in the outdoor industry, mm-hmm. uh, at kind of human grade product quality. Yeah. And we were just in a park one day with our dog and um, to this huge empty park in Bend. We kind of burned up our last roughware disc and didn't even have a dog disc. We're standing there and I'm walking along and I look down and I see this brand new roughware dog disc lying on the ground. Okay. And I'm really excited because we have like no money to, because ours is just toast and we have no money to buy. I'm seriously like stoked. So I pick up this disc and I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm totally snagging this disc. (laughs) And I'll never forget. This is like that, you know, when there's those forks in the road, you know? Yep. And I'll never forget. She looks at me and she's like, don't do that, man. That's bad karma. Yeah. And I thought, all right. And I drop, I drop the disc on the ground. Before the disc even literally hits the ground, this voice comes up from behind us. She's like, oh, there's my disc. Thank you for finding it. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. That karma came around quick. Yeah, it was just bizarre. And I turn around, and it was this gal, and we start talking to her and find out that her husband was the general manager of Roughwear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there you go. And so, of course, it's the we love Roughwear, and we're from Missoula, and new in town, and and uh, she says, they're looking for a customer service rep, and you should meet my husband. Yeah. So, yes, please. I mean, that's awesome. Perfect. So, you know, I meet meet with him, and mm-hmm. we hit it off. We're both super, you know, we're into fishing and biking and boating and, you know, all that stuff. And um, I came to work at Roughwear as their dealer service rep. And so it was great. I'd be on the phone, you know, talking to Todd Frank at the trailhead and sure. what's going on in Missoula yeah. and filling all these dealer orders. And, um, lo and behold, one day the owner of, uh, the, the founder and owner comes running up the stairs and he says, Hey, I, I had to let this one individual go. And she was the national sales and marketing manager. Okay. And he was literally, there was only seven people that worked there at the time. Yeah. So who's next, right? Yeah. And he was kind of threw it out there. Like, who wants the job? And <laughs> I'm the new guy. I'd been hey. there like two weeks. So I was, was two weeks in. I was, yeah. And I was expecting, you know, I, everybody was just going to be clamoring all over each other for this job. Sure. And, and I looked down and instead everyone's like heads down back at their keyboard, you know. And, and both and of your hands went up. Literally. I They did. I had no idea what I was about to. I just literally rose my yeah, hand and yes. just, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm totally down with that. I will do that job. And he's like, great. You start on Monday, no raise. <laughs> <laughs> All the title, none of the money, but tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of nuts because um, it's, I had no, I, it was almost like I did, wasn't even in control of my, my actions. I just yeah. was like, it was almost like, I, it just something took over, mm-hmm. and um, but that was it. That was the turning moment because I was so new. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the history. I didn't know the relationships there. I didn't know the the opportunity because I was so new. But what I you know all of a sudden next thing I know is that Roughwear has a like this symbiotic relationship with Patagonia. Yeah, and collaborates with a bunch of brands. With Camp Patagonia being very prominent in that collection. Yes, absolutely. So I had this opportunity to spend kind of the next almost five years of my life kind of in the hip pocket of all these people that are moving brand in ways that have never been done before. And lifestyle brand, too. Yeah. Brands that that build community and get people involved and create a tribe. So these guys were doing some really fresh and new things in marketing at that time. Yeah. And, you know, and it was just that mentality of, um, we're, we're not, I hate to say we're not trying because they did, tr- they were, they were, you know, they were consciously working at it, but they let, they, ble- like, they let the brand speak for itself. Mm-hmm. They let the users be the voice piece and, kind of the advocates for the brand and they let that speak through their catalogs and their photography and the way they presented themselves. So it was really, um, it was so customer driven. Yeah. And are you thinking at this time about content explicitly, like the power of 
user imagery and customer lifestyle and just trying to, you know, sort of looking forward to where we're at now with how important is content is to any to any marketing organization. But back then, it, it's like that stuff is just starting to emerge. It was, yeah. And we were. And I'll tell you, one of the one of the players, one of the innovators in my mind in that realm was Teton Gravity Research at yeah, the time. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I mean, and I still am, but I was a massive fanboy mm-hmm. of TGR, even, you know, when I was a student here in Missoula. And Yeah, so just for listeners that don't know, TGR is an incredible, basically, ski film making or adventure filmmaking group out of uh, Jackson Hole. Right, right. Yep. And um, the Collins brothers went to school here. And um, uh, yeah, and just great guys. And um, but they started, um, they started with um, a website. And what they would do is they would have blog postings on their website. Yeah. And um, so this was, you know, this is way before early social media. yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is so. You know, you kind of either had to live, you could only kind of live through these experiences by watching their films, you know, because there really wasn't a day, how can I interact with this brand on a day-to-day basis? It, it really didn't exist. So what they started doing was actually posting blog, daily blog posts from mm-hmm. their skiers and their athletes wherever they were around the world. So you would be you know, pop onto their website and there'd be one of their skiers that was stuck up in Alaska waiting for a storm to, to break. Yep. And so, and they're just kind of blogging about sitting in their hotel room, playing video games, whatever, hopefully next, tomorrow will be bluebird and, you know, going to ski some spines and whatever. And, and so you, that was like, that's kind of this weird, all of a sudden you start living through this portal. Yeah. I like that word portal because before, I mean, maybe you'd see these guys once a year in a Warren Miller film. Yeah. Right. But you wouldn't hear about the things they're doing and their daily life in between. And so, yeah, the blogging and then these yeah. other platforms created those opportunities. Yeah. And I said Collins. It was actually the Jones brothers, I think, that were here in Missoula. Um, but yeah. And so that really kind of that grabbed me pretty quick that idea mm-hmm. um, for r- what we were doing at Roughware, um, it was really interesting because we didn't have a marketing budget. We didn't, you know, we, we had, I think I had 17 sales reps that were on the road throughout the United States, but really, so, but you wouldn't see us in any industry publications and in, in, in sense of like a paid ad. Sure. But where you would see us is we would, we knew that our product spoke for itself and so we would we were not afraid to send it out to anybody to test it and write it write about it. Gear testers, you know, back in the day. Yep. Yep. Um, I guess these guys would be considered inf- influencers today. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, we called them gear testers, and they would just pound gear and then write a review on it in Backpacker or sure. you know whatever different magazines. And you l- kind of lived and died by these gear tests. You really did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would just start sending product out to these guys. And all of a sudden, you never knew when a gear test would come back, but you'd open up a, you know, a, a backpacking magazine. It was like, oh, my God, they just tested our, you know, our float coat or whatever. And you wouldn't backpack. know those are coming. No. So then it would we come, would... and then you got to kind of capitalize on that and all those things. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, once that issue hit, the phones would start ringing. Yep. Um, and of course, then the dealer orders would come in because they're selling out of whatever product because of this review. Um, so that was really how we moved it. Of course, then we did take a huge page from that Patagonia mentality and we turned it into lifestyle. The photography mm-hmm. was really rich. We worked with some amazing photographers in the, in that industry, um, to capture that feel of, of being out there with, with your dog. I know it's kind of crazy, but you know, that's a, um, you know, people are really into it. Yeah. It's an intimate (laughs) relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, like it, it's such a insightful product idea, like create, like people that are into gear are kind of 
they like to geek out on gear and like why not geek out on gear for your dog and like yeah. it's just the same kind of mentality transfers over to I'm going to have my dog in this really cool collar it's you know light and technical and does all these you know fancy things so I could see how people get caught up in that and then it kind of builds its own community of, in and of itself yeah I think in the fact that it was born and bred in the outdoor industry you yep. know the owner Patrick authentic um, it's super authentic he he had a company called Salamander um, and, and Ruffwear was kind of just like this random thought that exploded. He, he was mountain biking with his girlfriend um, in the desert with his dog, and his dog almost died because he, he you know, from dehydration. Yeah. And she, I think she had just said, you know, it'd be cool as if you made like a, a nylon dog bowl. Sure. And he was really into materials and sewing and just kind of like design and everything. So he went and he, he built this collapsible dog bowl and he was an outdoor retailer one summer for salamander it okay. was a paddleboard accessory accessory line and he kind of was just like hey i'm gonna take a spin around or real quick and just show a few buyers this dog bowl and see what anybody says or if there's any interest and he often he w- walked up to orvis and just showed the buyer this dog bowl and the guy was like I don't know the exact number, but it was literally like, I'll take 2,000 of those. Wow. I'll write the order right can, now. Can you get them to me by the end of next week? And Jeez. of course, um, he was like, absolutely. Yeah, the answer is yes. Yeah, to yeah that. the answer is yes. Uh, that's the start of it. Yeah. And it just literally exploded from there to the point where he ultimately, I think he sold Salamander. But by the time I jumped in, I was, I think there was about seven of us and we were rocking rough wear. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, I mean, as you're, as you're telling these stories, Jeff, I mean, it's just, the, the two themes that emerge are right in the wheelhouse of the show, creativity and hustle. So at some point, like, I mean, you've mentioned kind of your North Stars getting back to Missoula, right? So you've got this rough work experience. You're starting to learn the craft of creative. You're starting to kind of learn the tools. You're exposed to customer side on the sales piece. And at what point do you think it's time to make the jump back here? Um, you know, it was an interesting thing because as we started to grow – um, the industry was, you know, the, the, the pot, we were getting more competition. Yeah. Other manufacturers were starting to specialize in that. And so one of the, the big um, challenges that they had was we, wanna, we need to expand sales. And the thought was, let's go into the pet market. And, you know, I, that one kind of hit me a little bit sideways. I'm a, you know, I live and die for the brand, I mean, that's just what I do. That's my job. By then, after four plus years into it, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm yeah. the steward of this thing. And I respect the DNA of this thing. And it's born and bred in the outdoor industry. And, and to kind of cross that line devalues the authenticity of the ba- the brand. And we would have these hu- huge discussions about, you know, I mean, um, it's a different world. If you go into the pet market, that expectation is kind of different. Like some of these folks, they want to, you know, some folks like to dress their dogs up in, yep. in costume or whatever. Yeah, and it's that's a whole different value set. A, yeah. And so they, how do you explain this, a 1680 denier nylon to someone who's looking for like a pirate outfit for their <laughs> schnauzer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, that, you know, I, I don't even compute. know how to, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even compute. So there was, I think there were some real fundamental, um, there's a little bit of a breakdown of just kind of where are we going and where are we heading. And I, I think I kind of saw, saw what was coming down the pike there. Um, and believe it or not, I'd actually gotten a call from TGR to come to Jackson and talk okay. to them about a job working yeah. for them, um, yeah. doing their marketing. And that was awesome. But, and I was, you know, they offered me the job and it was just kind of unreal to to like this this brand that I really almost had as much affinity for as like a Patagonia. Yeah. Or to actually yeah. say we we want you to come on board come on board with That's us. That's a big moment. It was really big, and it was kind of like, hey, wait a minute, I, this is crazy. Like I'm a kid from you know Central Washington who's been working in the dog industry with an anthro degree. <laughs> And one of, at the time, the biggest outdoor, you know, ski film kind of adv- adventure film companies wants me. Yeah. Um, it just, and 
you know, but I have, once again, I had to look at like my wife and we had a young daughter by then. Mm -hmm. Um, and all these guys aren't living in Jackson. They were commuting up and over the pass every day. Cause they, you know, you can't afford to live in Jackson. And, yeah. And, um, you know, that was, I think one of my first real adult decisions was to turn that job down. And that, that, you know, man, I'll be on my tractor, like mowing and stuff every once in a while. <laughs> and I'll like in my head go, wow, I turned down TGR, but look at this. I'm here like on my tractor back in Missoula, totally. but that was a real adult decision. But it also was so eye opening for me. Like I can do it. I can do this now. I know what I'm doing. Like, I don't want to say like I'm a player, but no, I, but you get that I, validation, right? And yeah, you, you know you can, yeah, you can play in that, you can sort of swim in that sea or whatever, or whatever yeah. metaphor you want to use. Yeah, so we knew we wanted to get back to Missoula. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just a given. The day we, the day we saw the M in our rearview mirror, we couldn't count the days fast back. enough to get back. Yeah. So I fired off a letter, an email um, to an ad agency in town that I'd never met the principal of. That's Spiker. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, and I'd never met uh, him before or anything, but I just knew the work just spoke for itself. And he had dabbled in uh, some outdoor industry work and, you know, just really respected the work. So I'd sent an email and, you know, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Really want to get back to Missoula and, and sent it off and didn't hear anything. And almost for about a year, which was crazy. Wow. <laughs> And then one day I, you know, I, and this is back in the AOL days. So I open up my, you've got mail. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this it's pretty e- good impersonation. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's an email back from him and it just says, where are you? And it's on the subject line. Oh, geez. <laughs> I've gotten a similar email. Well, no, I mean, I've gotten one email from Wes before and it was all like a paragraph in the subject line. <laughs> yeah, it's great, man. Like, I'm not sure what to do with that. It was awesome. So it was just, where are you? What are you doing? And when can you come to work? So that was exciting. That was really, I was really excited. It was really cool. And um, that, so yeah, so we were back. We were back and we were in it. Awesome. Yeah. So a couple of years at Spiker and then it was Ranch Club. And then, then that was, after that, the community job. Yeah. Kind of... Yep. I'd had, you know, was, so I tell the funny, it's just funny to me because when you're in the outdoor industry, you have no budget. Yeah. And exactly. then. I came in and I was, I guess, by title or whatever, like the affluent account executive, brand manager for, you know, these world-known, renowned brands. Right. And there was no budget because, <laughs> you, you know, money was no object. So yeah. it was f- so fascinating crazy to be able to kind of take this outdoor dirtbagger world where you just had to hustle. I mean, it was just like, it was hustle. Make something from nothing. Yeah. I mean, we used to build our... Our um, our when we'd go to trade shows, we would build our trade show booths out of pallets. Yep. <laughs> and then you go and you're working for um, you know, some of these biggest brands in the world, mm-hmm. and so that was cool to like collide those two worlds. And and um, I'd been working with um, a couple that had just purchased the Ranch Club, awesome folks, and and they invited invited me to come out there and help them with that project and. And I did, and it was that was an uh, it was an awesome experience. Tough time to do a project like that. Yeah, yeah, it was late so, two thousand aughts, and yeah, you know. And I'd been working pretty hard and heavy at the agency on those types of projects, uh-huh. um, so I felt like I, I felt like we could get our some um, some ground under us out there. Um, ultimately, it just you know it was a tough time to For be sure. out there. But yeah, um, and then that was when. I made that jump to community, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, yeah, you mentioned this before, like trying to recreate this creative environment, this internal agency and this nonprofit. So similarly situated, probably very little budget to put into marketing and communications and branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to think that you maybe are trying to sell the concept of branding to the organization. That's a bit of an assumption, but what was that dynamic Well, I like? mean, I guess, you know, it depends. I in a way, right. Um, it's it's really a matter of kind of re. It's not even redefining, but it's sometimes maybe it's a matter of realigning the the north star for the okay. for the brand. Um, you know, when when we came in, when I came into somewhere like Community, they had a, a great strong brand, and 
and it and it was plugging along pretty well. Um, but it was kind of expected for healthcare. Yep. I mean, people were kind of tripping out, like that I went to a hospital. Like, what are you? What? what? I mean, how do you? How yeah, do you go yeah. from what? How do you go from being offered the yeah. you know, marketing director at TGR to working in a hospital? Yeah. Well, but see, that's what's awesome. That's what I get energized about. Yeah. Is because okay. I'm all about the and that's like it for Security Bank. I mean, my whole jam is yeah. That's a tough nut to crack, right? Get so, people excited about the you know the brand of a bank. Yeah. How do you do that? And you know, my whole thing is if if you're trying to you need to be looking what are other industries doing? I don't care what my competition's doing. Mm-hmm. I don't even there's not they're they're not even on my radar. Interesting. What I'm looking at is what's going on in other industries. What's going on in the auto industry? What's going on in ad tech? What's going on in style and fashion? Sure. And and sport and outdoor. How are they communicating? Like how are they what's their stance? What's their messaging and their tone? And it's not that I'm trying to bring that back and and emulate it, but what I'm looking for is the thinking behind it. Yeah, what are the what are some examples of things in those other industries that excite you or intrigue you or ca- kind of catch your attention right now? You know, I I'm I'm loving the short. It's a short message. Um, I you're just not seeing a lot of. They're not asking for a lot of mental capital to like you know people don't have time to just consume a huge message from a brand right now, yep. and it has to be really just almost fragmented out. And just these quick hits and just these quick reminders. Thin slices almost. Yeah, yeah thin yeah. slices. And and then I'm just kind of looking at I mean, I'm kind of I dork out, but I love I just I love to look at the imagery and feel the emo- and just like start to really catch myself what's the emotion that I'm experiencing looking at this imagery. And, okay. And um my photographer that we I've used and worked with for years, Athena. Athena. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing and but we've, we're just dorks that way. We'll, uh, we've got like these files that we'll send back and forth of like, you know, either imagery or um, I, I watch a lot of docu- short documentaries about things and kind of – and then we'll pass them back and forth. Sure. Just that idea of like, man, this – they really – like look how fast they got to the emotion of this piece. Yeah. Um, or whatever. And it's and, – it, and then that's kind of – it's not – it's just the – What's the spirit of it? Like, you know what I mean? I like how you put that too, like how fast they got to the emotion. And that's not to say that any of that creative was in a hurry. Mm-mm. Let's just say that it, it just cut through the nonsense. Oh, like my The gosh, essence yeah. came right through. I really like that phrase. Yeah, I, I remember people were always like, what's your favorite, you know, ad or your uh, Super Bowl ad or whatever, you know? And, I, and honestly, like um, Dodge... The God made a farmer mm-hmm. piece. Um, you know, I I was like on my couch crying like a baby within ten seconds, and you know because I'm a kid from Central Washington. Yeah, it resonated. I, I know that life. Like I know those guys. I, you know what I mean. And like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, if I think about it hard enough in my head right now, I, I could literally like get choked up because it's like just me. It's yeah. like it's in my DNA, and so. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And I know that not every piece is going to resonate with every person, you know. So, and that's okay. So when we're out building our creative, the last thing I'm thinking about is I've got to, you know, straddle a fence. Sure, sure. You know, they there's a saying, for every one person you offend, you inspire thousands. Mm-hmm. And that's just the mindset we go out with. Yeah. And so what, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about creative from the standpoint of first security, what sorts of, like, what sorts of stories are you trying to tell to promote that brand? Yeah. I mean, well, it's a, it's a, such a iconic brand, Yeah, you know, and I mean, and it was taken really great care of from the agency. I mean, they, they did their work on this brand. And mm-hmm. so I inherited like, you know, I mean, I, I inherited a, a great brand right things are moving along yeah. very well yeah but you know the it's a it's kind of it's a little bit of a different world today and things are things are things change fast you know but here's the deal about banking is the the products are all the same 
I mean, they really are at the end of the day. You know, I mean, from bank to bank, from institution to institution. It's hard to compete a product. Right. I mean, because, you, you know, you just regulate. It's just it's, – it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So when we're talking about, like, how do we kind of differ, differentiate ourselves or how do we – you know, we're looking at, like, these other kind of a little bit larger ideas. And for this last campaign, the one that really stuck was, you know, we're, we're here for life. And mm. and how that all the different ways that that word life can just all the different ways and things that that means, yeah. Um, because it really is the ability to, you know, it's, it is a bank. It's not you know, there's it's not super sexy, but if you think about the things that we do every day in our lives, revolve around the ability to move and have access to. Our money, mm-hmm. and it's in it's good, like this substrate. It that is. It f- facilitates all this important living. Yeah, yeah. And so for us, it's just a matter of, you know, I I don't want to be expected. I don't want it to look like a financial advertisement or marketing or tone. So it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to come at the market from the, or the industry from just a different from a, from a new angle. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the joke. Nice. You're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, so that's so that's kind of what we're looking at. And we just finished production on I the way that we work, I collect our assets kind of a year in advance. So yeah. we just finished production on all of our work for next year. And Ooh, well if your Instagram feed is any indication of the quality of some of those assets you've been collecting, I encourage all listeners to to check out Jeff's Insta what's your Instagram handle? Uh Jeff Ped. Yeah, yeah. G-E-O-F-F-P-E-D-D, right? Right. There you go. Um, So, Jeff, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't just take a moment to talk about um, the awesome stuff you do through this brand camp organization. So you guys are like this. I almost think of you guys as like the Avengers of marketing in in the Montana ecosystem. Like you swoop in and help out. These organizations, these good organizations in need of branding or marketing help. So tell us a little bit about Brandcamp and what that's all about. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, you know, you, you kind of have your day job and you're just in it all day and you're just that's this focus. And um, but when we live in this creative space, um, you just kind of need something else to yeah. just kind of stay sharp and take just to take the edge off a little bit and actually maybe take some different chances, learn some different things. So a couple of years ago, I was sitting with some friends of mine and we were talking about like, wouldn't it be cool if we like started this, this, you know, collective of people and uh, creatives and we just kind of choose an organization that's struggling and maybe they don't even know they're struggling, but they obviously are. Help them out. And we're just going to help them out and they don't even know it. We're just going to like do a full campaign for these guys, nuts and bolts, like A to Z, and then just drop it on their doorstep. And pro bono. Pro bono. They don't, yeah, they don't even know we're doing it. Like, literally, like, drop it on their doorstep and ring <laughs> ring the bell and run away. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know, I mean, just, but that style and that, it's kind of that, back to that DIY, punk rock, like, just that ethos of, like, man, we're going to do just, we're going to do this stuff for good, yeah. not for money, just because we can and we've got the talent to do it. So anyway, we, you know, we were kind of joking about this and, and it was, uh, it was myself and Athena and Elkie, uh, from Mama Lode. Yep. Elkie Gobertson. Yep. yep. And, um, Dave McKay, great, great creative. He's down in California now, but just, you know, just this like kind of the solid little like contingent of yeah. this collective of creatives. Well, lo and behold, a couple of months after that, um, we actually, I'd gotten a call from Jess Allred at Missoula Food Bank. Okay. And she asked, she said, she said, hey, man, you know, we're getting ready to do this capital campaign. We just bought some property, build a new facility. Would you sit on, would you be willing to be on the marketing committee? Mm. I was like, no. Yeah, but we'll do it for you. Marketing doesn't <laughs> get done in committees. Yeah. Um, and I said, but here's what I will do is I will put together essentially a, a team and we'll we'll rock this out. And um, as long as you guys agree that we're kind of 
passing work off only to one or two people for review and approval just to keep the the wheels rolling. Yeah, we don't want a lot of like layers of yeah, man. bureaucracy yeah, between your work and execution. Yeah, that's the quickest route to the middle. Yeah, exactly. It, and so and they were all in. It was awesome. which was I mean, could, I mean a testament to to them and kind of their belief in in the team. And yeah, and there's sort of will, you know, your humility to be able to open yourself up to to help like that. Yeah, yeah. So we jumped in, and um, and started this essentially the one in six campaign for the for the Missoula Food Bank. Yeah, and you know, and that that thinking whenever we come in on a project, it's just we've got to deliver something that hasn't been seen, or it's just not. It's you know you see you see these nonprofits and they're doing these big asks and these big campaigns and they sit down with a potential large donor and they break out what do they break out the two pocket folder thingy with like you know terribly copied photocopied <laughs> pieces yep. that are just falling out and it's just a disaster and um, and so we thought man this is not we you know this is different these things need better yeah yeah so do you guys have like some sort of a secret handshake or like some like bat symbol that you put up in that organizations can put up in the sky to find brand camp and get your help. Um, you know, it, it typically it'll start with someone reaching out to, to me directly. Yeah. Um, and then I will, um, get together with Athena and we just talk about the project and if it kind of resonates, strikes a chord with us just personally, um, and if, because, you know, look, I don't get, I don't get paid for any brand camp work I do. I, my employer first security bank is, you know, part of the thing is they're like, you, our officers, our leaders, we, the expectation is that you're out there in the community doing good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, exactly. that's, that's why first security bank is who they are today is because that's the mentality. Mm-hmm. And, um, our leader, Scott, he's, he's all about it. And so, I don't, I don't draw any income from brand camp work. The team that we bring in, though, I do ask that that they do it at a very, very, very reduced rate. Sure. Um, so yeah, Athena and I will just we'll look at the project. We'll kind of talk about it. We'll actually meet one or two times about it. Really, I mean, it's not just a fly by the seat of our pants. It's mm-hmm. you know, like, hey man, is this? Can we get behind this? Because we're going to be putting a lot of time into it. I mean, like a lot of time. Yeah, pa- out of your own hide, and it's got to be a passion project. Yeah, for sure. So then if we decide, yep, man, this is ticking off the boxes, then we start talking about the creative side of it. How uh-huh. can we do this? And then that's when we start bringing in the other team members because really it's like a, it's like a quiver of, of arrows, and, but each arrow does this very specific thing. Right. And has it, you know, so specific diner, uh, designers because I'm looking for a specific hand on this work and a right, specific writers um, and different, you know, uh, web folks or what, whatever. But uh, so we kind of hand pick that team to, to do the project. Awesome. Yeah. And how many have you done to date? We're on about. I know you've done Zach recently. Yeah, or we did the, process. Yep, we did the Zach. We did the Missoula Zootown Fruit. area arts collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Zach book. That was a fun project. We did um, the Missoula Food Bank. Mm-hmm. We we're just um, involved in um, uh, the Blue Mountain Clinic. Mm-hmm. That's a new one. And then we did a pretty large uh, brand project for an ad tech firm. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, Jeff. You have been such a tremendous supporter of what we're doing here at the College of Business. I mean, you speak in so many of our classes to our clubs. And then I got to just thank you personally. You've been a huge supporter of this endeavor, this podcast. You've been a great mentor and sounding board and and provided a lot of great insight for how we can do things better here. So I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on. And we look look forward to uh, what's next with First Security and Brand Camp. If people are interested in learning more about your work, how can they find you outside of that Instagram feed we already dropped? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, they, you can hit me at uh, jeffpet at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. That's the best way. That is the best way. That's like the bat signal for Brandcamp. Um, yeah, pretty much is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks, Justin. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff as much as I did. 
Super inspiring guy. And if you get the chance to meet Jeff, go for it. Um, really, really neat guy. Okay, coming up next week, we've got Mario Schultzke. Uh, Mario, interesting. So we were colleagues here at the University of Montana for about five years. He taught in our marketing program. In fact, he was a sort of pioneer of our, of our marketing analytics curriculum. At the same time, he was uh, assistant vice president of communications and then took over as vice president of communications here at the University of Montana uh, in the last couple of years until he left recently in December of 2017. So Mario oversaw the ship and was involved in the, at a cabinet-level position at a really interesting time for the university, challenging time, and we talk about that today. He's since moved on to a startup called Genius Link out of Seattle with some friends of his from high school. Anyway, Mario's path, how he got to University of Montana, how he got to the States. He's a German, uh, you know, German upbringing. Just a super neat guy. I appreciate his insights and look forward to bringing you that conversation next week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And remember that this podcast was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're one of the largest electrical wholesale supply companies in the world with nearly 600 locations. CED is a privately owned business-to-business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment you need to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in our community, and they have a keen interest in University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out cedcareers.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the podcast. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. Third, just tell your friends about it. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few folks for making this project happen. First off, thanks to Elizabeth Willey, Communications Director here at the University of Montana College of Business. And thanks to our fabulous interns, Savannah Slutton and Max Gibson. I'd also like to give a special shout-out to VTO for providing us with music. And finally, thanks to my producer, Jeff Meese. As we close, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.